Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Have you ever felt like you've tried everything to heal from the pain of sexual abuse, and yet nothing seems to really be helping? Well, one of the reasons why most people struggle to break free from the pain of past child abuse is because the techniques out there are positioned as a one-size-fits-all answer. What I want you to know is that there are actually three distinct phases on the path to recovery. And I'd love to share with you about these phases, what issues you must resolve to move to the next phase, and what kinds of support you'll need in order to move forward as quickly and completely as possible. The road to recovery is much easier when you know what stage you're in and what to do next. So don't hesitate. Go to www.rachelgrantcoaching.com checklist and get your nine-page guide today. Now, on to our show. Welcome everyone to Beyond Surviving, the safe space for survivors of childhood sexual abuse to receive support, resources, and share their stories. Beyond Surviving is about freedom, healing, connection, and even laughter and fun. Most importantly, it's about letting go of the pain of abuse and finally moving on. I'm Rachel Grant. For those of you who don't yet know me, I've been a sexual abuse recovery coach since 2007 and am the author of Beyond Surviving, the final stage of recovery from sexual abuse. 
I'm so excited to be here with you today and to share um, with you about a really, really beautiful topic. We're going to be talking with Kristen Walker today, and we're going to be really focusing in on early childhood abuse and trauma and the impact of that. Um, so without further ado, Kristen, welcome. Thanks so much for being here. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. For sure. Well, um, let's get started by um, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, sure. Um, my name is Kristen Sinanta Walker, and uh, I have been a speaker and advocate about uh, childhood sexual abuse since I was about probably 15. Um, in my career, I've uh, been a consultant for years, had my own company for years, working largely with healthcare companies with a focus now in the last um, maybe five years on the behavioral health field. So I work in consulting uh, around behavioral health technology there. I still do my advocacy around um, childhood sexual abuse issues. But um, my great love in terms of work is that I have a podcast network, which is totally focused on mental health. And what I mean by network is I have my own show called Mental Health News Radio, but I also produce about 17 other podcasters' shows which are all focused on mental health. So my career is becoming more and more and more towards advocacy. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I had the great joy of being your guest. Um, and uh, such a really, really great network that you're building there. I mean, what a, what a rich resource. What's the easiest way for, for people to find um, that particular resource? We'll just name that right off the bat. <laughs> well, anyone can anyone can go to mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com, and that'll give you access to my show. There's a, a place at the top that says shows, and you'll see the long list of shows, the, the different podcasts that are on the network that cover everything from uh, emotional, psychological abuse to drug addiction and recovery to spirituality to um, how mental health affects technology to uh, sports and mental health. I mean, we, it runs the gamut. We even have someone starting up that uh, is going to be working with the prison system and talking about mental health issues wow. there. And then, of course, you find my show, Mental Health News Radio, is listed is listed there, too. Mm-hmm. Man, thank you so much for sharing that with us. And yeah, y'all, be be sure to to go out and, and check out um, this network. It is a just uh, there is an abundance of resources and support there, and just great ways to learn and and understand. And so we're it's quite a treat um, to have Kristen here on the Beyond Surviving podcast. And I'm really um, excited about the topic that we're going to be exploring today. Uh, you know, basically what I think we're going to jump into, and you know, we'll see. What where it all takes us, but kind of looking at where um, the trauma occurs, like when we have abuse across a lifetime or across a, at certain ages, what's the impact based on, you know, when we've experienced abuse, what at what age we experienced abuse, and what does that tell us about things we might need to keep our eye on um, in the healing journey? Yeah. Does that, yeah? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So, so where let, let's start, I guess, in general with you know what you've come to to understand or know about the impact of abuse on different age groups, and and uh, where would you like to start with that? What where where can we jump in? Well, I think you know what people don't realize is the impact, and I, and I mean you know survivors of abuse as well as just the general public. You don't 
you don't realize how insidious this kind of abuse is, no matter what age, but especially uh, when it's perpetrated by um, a parent, especially that adds a whole other layer. There's just, mm-hmm. I look at it in terms of layers of, of um, disruption and insidiousness that impact your life. So no matter what kind of abuse it is, uh, sexual abuse it is, no matter who the perpetrator is, there are degrees of how much it's going to infect you depending on was it a parent? How young did it start? Did Mm -hmm. someone believe you when you did speak out? If you did speak out, did you feel safe enough to speak out? There's just so many things that come into play. And what people don't realize is that it takes a lifetime of work. This is not something that you just get over. It doesn't matter if you've been in therapy forever um, and you need to be in therapy off and on throughout the course of your life because the abuse is going to different pieces of it uh, that because you you become a fragmented person in many ways in order to deal with what happened to you. So I've, as an example, had things come up for me in my 40s that never, that just didn't have the room to come up for me at 20 yeah. or at 15 or at 30 because I wasn't prepared. I wasn't emotionally ready to handle the healing mm-hmm. I needed to experience at those ages until I was older, and that, and I'm someone that had, did have the benefit of therapy from the age of twelve. Mm, got it. Yeah, yeah. So we start to look at, I think, um, you know, the the incremental healing that we can do, and yeah. that, you know, um, one of the things that I talk with my clients about is, you know, we can always continue to grow and heal. That is, right. you know, a journey that we can remain on, and we can get deeper insights or more clarity. And the the key distinction that I try to try to help people understand is that um, while yes, there are things that are going to pop up for you um, or deeper layers of healing, the um, <clears throat> the way that you experience yourself in the day to day can shift, right? So we can go from feeling like we're in that trauma and we're in that survivor mode all the time to a place where we feel like equipped and and capable of managing whatever new thing might show up. And because absolutely, you know, when we have trauma that starts at a very early age, I love how you said that, right? There are things that we're just not going to be able to access. There are things that we're just not going to even be able to kind of wrap our head around or process until we reach a certain stage of healing or like a certain stage of life is what I hear you saying. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've been in just intense, intense therapy groups, which were very helpful to me at different ages with other survivors. And I have watched, um, as an example, and this was several years ago, and I'm not using names, but there was a woman that came in who had no idea of what had happened to her. And she hit her 30s, had a daughter, and her daughter, everything seemed like it was going along swimmingly. And then her daughter hit the same age that she was when she was first abused. Yeah. And all heck broke loose, and the husband was shell shocked. What is what happened to my wife? And mm-hmm. you know, I mean, and then she, uh, you know, started this new journey, and it wasn't going to happen for her until she had a daughter, and her daughter reached a certain age, and the, you know, the perpetrator was coming over and spending time, and that is what kicked it off for her. Mm-hmm. So you just don't. It's like in many ways, it can be this. Um, this bomb that's going to go off and you don't know when. Yeah. 
So how do you find your peace with that? Because, you know, for me, um, you know, I know, sir, I know for some of our listeners that might fall into this cat, well, shit, like I'm never going to be over it then, right? Or this is going to be, oh, my gosh, I'm just always going to have to be on guard or watching out for the next thing that's going to throw me into the next spiral, right? And like, is right. there any relief right. from this? Is there any end to this, you know, kind of constant thing? And, um, you know, I certainly know how I've gone about that for myself, how I've resolved that particular possibility, but I'd love to hear kind of how you've done that. What what do you recommend? What's your guidance that's, around that? That's such a great question. For me, I don't feel like there's any, uh, you know, looming things anymore, but that's because I've changed my, my uh, way of caring for myself. For mm-hmm. me, the, the art of self-care, which believe me, there are, I still work on this. Uh, there's so much to do with for me anyway, my journey was I felt like, well, as a kid, this wouldn't have happened to me if I was if there wasn't something just toxic and horrible about me. That's why this happened to me. And I carried that well into my thirties. Even standing up and saying, I'm an empowered woman, I still carried this seed of I must be horrible mm-hmm. that that this happened. And so I was, I did walk around with that, oh no, what am I going to uncover tomorrow and very afraid of the future. And I just don't, um, I don't do that anymore. I, I do practice much better self-care and I look at it like every time a new thing is discovered, um, it's an opportunity for growth and growth is a good thing. So mm-hmm. I relax, I relax into it. So it's not doomsday anymore for me. What's going to happen around the corner? It's more it's like with depression. This is this is a key thing for me that helped me really become someone who no longer suffers from depression. I started welcoming it in mm-hmm. instead of going, oh, no, I feel depression coming on. This means this. I'm going to have to da-da-da and, and turning it into, you know, DEFCON 1. I just went, what are you here to teach me? And it took a few years of doing that before now if I feel like I'm possibly leaning towards it, I go, ah. I kind of look forward to it. What are you what are you here to teach me? And consequently, I no longer get depressed. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, there is such a beautiful um thing that happens when we can embrace and we can welcome in whatever is showing up in our lives and and yeah. treat it exactly as this is an opportunity, right? Maybe it's not the way we would like an opportunity to show up. <laughs> Maybe it's not exactly, right. you know, how you know how it would we would love for that to be, but if we can get into that mindset. So, yeah, I love that. Thanks for sharing that with us. So in your work and, and in your journey, um, can you tell us a little bit about what you've learned or what you know about, um, you know, based on when, what ages you were abused, like some of the things you might um, – are there things – so, for example, like if I experienced abuse from the age of, like, infant to to nine or so and then the abuse ended – are there going to be certain things that I'm going to, you know, have to work through or, or deal with if, um, as opposed to if I were abused, let's say, you know, 10 to, to 15? Do you see demarcations like that? Yeah, I do. I think the younger you are, uh, the more difficult it is a journey um, in some ways because you, your child brain just can't uh understand what's happening and you things are activated within you around sexuality that are absolutely age inappropriate Mm -hmm. um i think but in some ways you know 
when you're more aware as a human being, um, as an, you know, as an older child. So let's say it, you know, it's going to hit you at whatever age. I look at it like the developmental stages of children. So, okay. So it's, uh, when, when do we, when do quote unquote normal teenagers start to think about boys or girl, you know, the opposite sex and get attracted to them? Well, if you are, um, sexually abused at that age in some way, then, you know, that is going to hit you in a, in a stage where you are aware, so much more aware about sexuality, and it is going to cause damage to that piece that happens in your development. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So for, for people who are listening, if they um, are there particular resources or particular things that you would recommend that they either seek out or focus on as guided by the ages when they were abused? Yes. I think that obviously a licensed mental health counselor that focuses on sexual abuse, incest, um, violent sexual abuse, you know, any, anyone that that is their specialty and their focus, uh, that is imperative no matter what hands down you need to get your rear end in therapy (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) and make and make that a commitment that is part of your self-care so this is not oh i go once a month and blah 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 no you need to be in there at least at the very least every week every single week on top of that group group therapy can be wonderful and have your therapist help you find the group that's going to fit you because they know you, they know your story, they know what group is going to, you know, they would, they can help you choose, okay, that group, that's not a good group for you. Let's, let's look at this one and, and have a discussion about it. I mean, a lot of people think that walking into therapy is, and I, I'm one of them uh, that used to think this, oh, I just sit down on a couch or a chair and I just bleh for an hour. And that's okay. There are times when I've needed to do that, but it's, you can create your community of health with your mm-hmm. therapist that that is their job as well so ask them what groups do you think would be good for me and and then when you go to the group and you talk and you get a feel for what's going on in the room come back and talk to your therapist about it so that they can help you get the most you can out of it that's their job that's what they're there to do yeah, absolutely. And I love um, one of the things that kind of shows up for me from that is, you know, this journey of healing, there are going to be times when certain support helps us in a certain way, and then we might go in and try, you know, a different modality or a different approach. Right. Um, you know, we might reach that place where, you know, we're looking for a different kind of guidance or a different, you know, set of skills. So I think one thing that um, I would love to, to hear from you is um, how can people figure that out, right? How how What do mm-hmm. you recommend for people when it comes to, you know, trying to figure out what is the quote-unquote right therapy um, based on where you are in your healing journey or even which, you know, stage of life you're in? Do you have any thoughts mm-hmm. on that? Trial and error. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would say, you know, as your if you're doing this in your 20s um, and you are someone that feels you know, moderately comfortable being in groups of other people, then going to something that's like schema therapy where you engage in some role playing with a group of people in a very safe environment, um, anything from 20 on up to probably in your 40s, is that, that can be a wonderful 
safe place where you're not just sitting and talking, you're also embodying different roles mm. with other people. Um, you know, someone is your father, someone is your mother. Uh, I tend to see with women that are over 50, for some, this seems to be a majority. I'm not saying that this is for every woman, but you tend to go back into more of a quiet place, so private groups. Um, like, I'll give you an example. We have we do trauma-sensitive yoga in my podcast studio, uh, and it's very small. We we literally we limit it to four people, five at the mm-hmm. most, and do private sessions. I'm I'm not the person who does it. I just offer the space for people to do that. And I notice a lot of women are coming in that are, that are in their late 40s and early 50s. Uh, some of them are just now dealing with the trauma of sexual abuse. They didn't deal with it their whole lives because they were living their lives and right. didn't really know what the heck to do. But now they have this space that's small and that's what they're interested in is the privacy. They know enough to know that I don't want anyone behind me because that doesn't make me feel safe and I need to be in a little cocoon in order mm-hmm. to do this kind of this kind of work because working out in a gym or doing yoga at some gym just is not where they want to be. But when you're in your 20s and 30s, I was all about, let's go to the gym. And that was a great (laughs) place for me. So it's kind of, you know, looking at where, where you're at. And if you don't feel comfortable going to a larger venue for healing, then don't. Like, don't push yourself. The thing that we do the worst, because, because we we take child abuse as if we caused it, as if there's something wrong with us that this happened, and it isn't. And so we force ourselves to do things uh, in terms of even our healing that really aren't good for us. So if you yes. don't want to go and be in a room with 10 other people, then don't go in yeah. a room with two, two other people. That's okay. Like it's really it absolutely okay. is, yeah, yeah. You know, and what came to mind as you were you were sharing that, Kristen, is, um, you know, when you started off that that piece was about trial and error, and I know one of the mistakes that I made, um, though I don't even know if it was a mistake, it was almost like my capacity, um, was early on in my journey, I would, you know, select a therapist and I, you know, end up in their office, and maybe after like two or three sessions, my instincts would be like, this isn't a good fit. I don't really like this person. I don't think they're going to be able to give me what I need. But I didn't have the capacity to advocate for myself. And I, it's an interesting phenomenon. Like people can um, really drop in and say, well, this is the person I've said yes to or I'm going to, so now I'm just going to keep going, right? And so I, w- I want us to talk about that a little bit because uh, while you're in this trial and error phase, and there's almost like this, we, we have to resource and find this part of ourselves that can say, no, that's not working for me. <laughs> and boy, do all sorts of stuff come up around that, right? Like, oh, I don't want to hurt Oh, me. yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, yep. Yeah, so I think a friendly reminder, maybe just on that level of, you know, this, you are hiring someone for their <laughs> services, and therefore you want to make sure that you are getting, um, you know, what you need um, from that provider. And if you're not, to um, to find some way. Do you have any tips or any ideas come to mind as far as, you know, what might support people um, in that particular journey, if when you notice this isn't working or this isn't exactly what I need, um, what folks can do in those moments? Yeah, you you have to. It's difficult because, boy, especially if 
with child abuse and child sexual abuse on top of it, you are at that age where you are supposed to do what adults tell you to do. So mm-hmm. as you grow up, you end up this grown up who, you know, someone could be burning your hair off in a in a hair salon appointment and you're you go back to being that child that is supposed to just sit there and not say anything. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so that happens on our healing journey, too. And you also don't want to be someone that is just so triggered and afraid that you never stick anything out. So how I how I look at it is, um, you know, it's all to me having that one person that is your sit down traditional outpatient mental health therapist that you work with as your guide and your partner on this journey that you can feel things out with before you quit something. Mm. Um is is like your your go to. That's the person that I I go to, or the different people that I go to to say, okay, this is how it's feeling in this group thing, or this exercise thing, or this whatever thing. Is that me being afraid to try something new and to push myself, or is that really just a dynamic that isn't going to work for me? And that I have found uh, very helpful mm-hmm. to hold myself accountable for, hey, you know what, you're just running, Kristen, and you just need to plant your feet and just deal with it because this is going to be good for you. Or, Kristen, this really doesn't sound like the right thing for you. And the reason why you have to do that is because you couldn't trust the adults in your life when you were younger in the most profound way you couldn't trust them. So you have to be able to find adults that you can trust. They're not your, you know, sometimes maybe they are your parents or relatives or friends or whatever, and also a therapist. So your therapist isn't your parent, but they're modeling what healthy attachment is and healthy parenting is. So that's, I think, for me, that's been the best guide towards, um, you know, helping me make that decision of am I running or is this really a good decision for me to say this is not working for me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. So thanks for sharing that. Great, great tip there. You know, find at least one person, whether it's a professional or just a really good friend or whoever it might be, but to almost be your litmus test, right, and to help you work through so that, one, you feel safe to bring those concerns. This is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm feeling. And then second of all, that you have that mirror or that person who can kind of help you sort through where um, those feelings or thoughts are kind of coming from and what your next action or next step might, might need to be. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, as you think about, um, you know, the experience of trauma in, you know, for for young children, uh, and then, you know, that kind of carries over into your teenage years and into your adult years, what's coming to mind for me is a little bit for the parents who who listen to the show. I know one thing that's come up in um, my Healing from Sexual Abuse Facebook group have been questions of like, well, you know, my, my, my daughter was abused and she's gone to therapy and she seems to be doing really well. You know, like, are we done? Are we good? <laughs> yeah. We're good, right? Right. Um, yeah, and so I think I just want to almost like really reiterate that for parents that, yeah, they are going to get to a place where maybe they're feeling really stable and really good, and 
let's you know continue to have the, them be supported because as they hit different ages they're going to be able to process things differently be able to access things differently and ultimately you know we have this you know this concept of our you know like inner child and as we're going along and we're healing and and trying to take care of ourselves as adults we're also um i think one of the things you talk about is how we take care of that inner child in in this process of healing as well um, could you talk with us a little bit about that? Share share some of your perspective around that. Sure, sure. I think I think that it's wonderful. I'll give the example of my son who was not sexually abused. Thank goodness that chain, you know, was broken. Mm-hmm. The generational trauma that came up through yeah. my family uh, was broken with with his generation. Thank goodness. But um, you know, he'll go to therapy for just anxiety and the things that he struggles with. And he'll have a really great week or two weeks. And he's like, I don't need therapy anymore. I'm cured. Mm-hmm. I, I'm feeling so good. And I always say, honey, I am so proud of you. I am so proud of you. And this is a cumulative effort. Yeah. So keep on going. And, that's with any person, not just someone who's been sexually abused. Uh, you have to keep going. This is not something. I have taken breaks, but not after you know, <laughs> not after uh, six weeks of great therapy. Um, maybe you lessen the amount of time that you go, but you mm-hmm. don't just stop it all together. And I'm sorry, but no, it is not something that's going to go away. It's going to affect them. At every de- you know developmental marker, age, and what's going on in their life, it's going to affect them differently when they have children. It's going to affect them differently when they date. It's going to affect them differently when they have sex. It's going to affect them differently when they uh, if they get fired from a job or they have an abusive boss. I mean, every single life-changing thing that goes on, it's going to affect them differently at those. Um, stages. So it's not something that's going to go away. I'm not saying that that's, you know, something that you should feel like, oh, this Paul over my whole life. No, I don't mean that at all. I just mean, you know, this is deeper than just, we're over it now. Right, right. Yeah, you know, I think one of the things that happens, that I've seen happen is um, for survivors of sexual abuse, it it can feel a little bit like, oh, we're marked. And I have this thing that's going to be a part of my life for the rest of my life, and it's never going to go away. It's always going to come up. Something's going to happen. And, you know, what I, at this stage in my life, what I really notice around me is that everybody has something. (laughs) Everybody has something that they're, you know, they're holding space for. And for me, one of the things that really helped take this kind of feeling of tarnish or, oh, my gosh, the rest of my life is going to be, you know, um, in the dregs because of this, was to just recognize that the the human journey is a journey, or can be. It doesn't have to be. But it can be a journey of just growth and understanding. And you can remain in that journey not from the perspective of, oh, I'm still broken, and I'm always going to be broken, and, oh, I'm not yet fixed. 
And instead, yeah. just be in the space of like, what's my next best self? Like, imagine yourself as like whole and perfect and beautiful and and sound, but that we can turn the volume of on that up over and over and over again, and we can have deeper understanding or deeper insight or or you know greater compassion or a next level of forgiveness and. Um, and that isn't, and we want to reach those next levels and give ourselves those opportunities for growth, not because we're trying to counter brokenness, but just yeah. because we want to try to be, you know, evolved and and open and um, the best that we possibly can be. And and I think all humans are on that journey, and regardless of what the inciting incident is, that kind of sets their their path or sets their course in some ways. Does that make sense? Yeah. It does. It does. And I'll say this because I, I dig this. I um, I thought forever that I was broken when it came to having sex. I absolutely mm. did. And so here's how I look at it now. And I know this to be true. Because of what happened to me when I was a child, um, I, I am not broken because of that. I No. You know what? When I have sex, when I make love to, and I just happen to be attracted to men, but when I make love to a man, it is so profound and so spiritual and so connected because of what happened to me. I honestly believe that in many ways I experience a deeper level than people who haven't experienced what I have. And so I feel so lucky and grateful that I, not that, what happened happened well in some ways I do but because of how I've turned it around but mm-hmm. um, because I have this richness to that area of my life that a lot of people just will never experience because yeah. of what happened to me mm-hmm. so that's you know that's and it's that yeah. reality for me so yeah no I think it's a really interesting thing that it, maybe it doesn't get said enough and I think a lot of times when we talk about this people go oh what are you saying like it was a gift to be abused no it's it's shitty right. to be abused however when <laughs> yes, you right however when, what is a gift is when you work past that healing and when you're able to get to that other side, so to speak, what does happen, what I do see, is there are, there's almost like what what when you're in the trauma and when you're in the pain of it and when you're still in that struggle and feeling shame and all of that stuff and being really triggered all the time, then these behaviors are they're detrimental. But when you become a master over those things, yeah. they become superpowers. So, like, when you're, uh, I'll give, like, a little example, right? So, for me, uh, you know, highly aware, hyper alertness. I, you know, as a a kid, I was seeing everything that was going on around me that my peers were, like, oblivious to. (laughs) Absolutely. You know, but it was it was horrifying and so traumatizing as a, you know, 14-year-old who doesn't have any capacity to hold space for people, who doesn't know what to do with all of that, who who certainly goes in into internalizing it all and making it about me and I'm bad and blah, 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 right? <laughs> and so in that case, the hyper alertness and being very sensitive and aware to my surroundings was detrimental. But now, now that I've done that healing and I'm on the other side of that, that hyper-awareness is, first of all, way decreased, but I'm still very tuned in, and that's what makes it possible for me to reach out and stop that kid who's about to run out into the street that nobody else noticed, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I had many times as a teenager, uh, you know, teenagers – 
tend to get themselves into dangerous situations, mm-hmm. even if they're not life and death. But there's so many times that I was the kid saying, don't get in that car with that person. Are you crazy? Why would you do that? And I would be the one that everybody makes fun of for not doing that because I was so hyper aware of dangerous people, dangerous mm-hmm. males. Mm-hmm. Danger, what? And my friends would go obliviously because they've never had anything like that happen right. to them, or they did, and they hadn't processed it in the way that I had. Whatever it was, where they did, and of course something horrible would happen, and I would think, man, I wish they would have listened to me, and also think I'm really grateful that I have that kind of awareness. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't think I necessarily thought it at the time because cognitively I just was not, you know, able to think that. But as an adult, I thought, I think wow, I really knew what was up about mm-hmm. a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't, I didn't know enough to say good for you. But as an adult, I sure can be a damn good parent to myself and say, girlfriend, you know what's right. up. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. So, you know, for all of you who are listening, who are going, oh, my gosh, okay, so I've had, a, you know, abuse through all of my life. And this is going to be, you know, all this is so much difficult to work through and figure out. Like I really just want to encourage you today to, to keep that mindset that we've been offering today, which, yes, you've had something that is impactful. Yes, it's going to show up at times in your life where, you know, you've reached a certain stage where you can now have a capacity or have the ability to look at something. But try to think about how you can translate these areas, these behaviors that if on one side of the coin they're detrimental, they stop you, they block you, they keep you stuck, but what's the other side of that coin? Like if you were to flip it and use it for good or use it as a superpower, what would that look like? And right. it's in that way that we start to transmute the experience of abuse and you know become more and more resolved and more and more equipped right, to kind of navigate life even with these things that kind of show up and have their heritage in trauma. I love what you were sharing about that. Like, wow, I have access to something that I didn't know I could have access to and it's by way of this, you know, experience. Yeah. Profound empathy, Mm -hmm. profound empathic capital is a, that is the superpower. You want to be Wonder Woman or Superman, that's the Mm -hmm. only thing that gets you to being that person. And guess what? gets you to have those chasms opened within yourself, within your soul, things like sexual abuse that you overcome and you, and you have wells of empathy. Now it's helped. It's, you know, those wells of empathy. I've not had good boundaries with people and I've been emotionally bled to the point of not living, but that's a whole Mm -hmm. other show. But as Mm I, as I learned, you know, how to have really great boundaries now, man, it is, such a superpower. Wow. Yeah. Such a superpower. So, yeah. yeah. I love that. Wow, Kristen, thank you so much. I I love where we wound up in this conversation. <laughs> we, not and we, we, we winked it. We totally winked it, which I love. We that. did. We did. And uh, there's so much beauty in that, right? So, yeah, thank you just so much for for being here and sharing your wisdom, sharing your journey. Um, Let's just take a moment to kind of reiterate how people can reach out to you, get in touch with you, anything you want people to know about about you and and your resources that you're offering. I would say I would just encourage anyone to go to, um, I I know it's a long domain, there's a shorter domain, mhnrnetwork.com, but it's easier just to remember mental health 
www.newsradionetwork.com. My show is there. I've done 450 shows on everything under the sun. Uh, So you can find something that's going to resonate with you. But it's not just about me. There are so many other devoted advocates that are doing their own shows on the network um, that, you know, find one of them and you'll resonate with them too. It's it's a place of love. Everybody there. We're not there for the money or the this or the. We are there because we advocate on behalf of other people. So if you want to find a group of peers, just like what your group does, here's another group of peers for people to just resonate with and feel like I'm not alone, which is what we all want. That's right. Uh, So wonderful. Wow. So. Again, thank you, Kristen, for being here, and thank you, everybody, for for tuning in and joining us today. I welcome you to um, visit rachelgrantcoaching.com to learn more about sexual abuse recovery coaching and also check out the other resources that are available on the site. And please be sure to subscribe to this podcast, leave us a comment if you like what you're hearing, and uh, join us next time. We have so much more to share with you. And until then, take good care of you. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com.